2: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. Well, no update on Taylor Hall of the Buffalo Sabres. You may have already seen the video online. If you have it, you can easily find it on Twitter, though. I will tell you, you may not want to watch it. Taylor Hall, the Buffalo Sabres hit in the face with a slap shot. Today in the first period of the Sabres game, against the New Jersey Devils. He has left the game, has not returned, and uh, just checking a couple of reporters who cover the Sabres who say that there is uh, no update on Hall at the moment. Hopefully he is okay. Sabres actually playing better today than they have been most of the time. Oh, shooting the Devils 14-7, but they haven't scored. The Devils have the only goal of the game. They lead at 1-0 early in the second period. Islanders and Capitals, man, Islanders are red hot, no score there, about seven minutes into the second period. After the first, Bruins and Penguins tied one. 1-1, Pasternak and Tanev. The goal scorers late in the first period. It's the Red Wings up 2-1 on the Hurricanes. Game still to come tonight. The Coyotes in the wild. The Lightning play the Stars, and the Ducks go up against the Avalanche. Oilers tomorrow coming off that loss to Calgary last night. They will go at the Flames again. This one starts at 8 o'clock. Our face-off show here on 6.30, Chad, will start at 6.00. And then the Orders right back at it on Thursday, home game against the Winnipeg Jets. Our coverage on Thursday will start at 5.30. Of course, we will talk uh, about the orders, give you the latest on Cassian tourists and some other storylines as we move along tonight by a pleased to welcome to Inside Sports, the skip of Team Alberta that just won the championship at the Briar in Calgary. It is Brendan Botcher. Brendan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thanks, Reid. Well, I bet you are. I get to
0: introduce you and, of course, your rank as 2021 Briar champions. How does that sound? <laughs> that sounds uh, sounds phenomenal. It really does. You know, we <laughs> we worked so hard and we battled so hard this week. I'm just so proud of the guys. You know, I I, I got to ask you this. And
2: it's sort of an, an unfair question because you have been, you and your, your rink have been champion curlers for about a decade, you know, university junior levels, and you've won a lot of big events as pros. But for a lot of fans who maybe don't follow curling week to week, they said, well, that's the team that's lost three straight Briar finals, which I know wasn't a fair label, but was part of your story. How did you sort of react to knowing that label was out there, if you cared, and now knowing that there's a much uh, more positive label on there, too?
0: Yeah, you know, that just is. Um, uh, We know we lost those games, (laughs) just like everyone else does. Um, And for a lot of reasons, I was so proud of each of those years I mean they were such amazing accomplishments for us as a team and and you know we were gutted when we lost we took some time we reflected on what went wrong what could have done differently tried to learn uh, and then you just got to let it go I mean you can't go back in time and change the result all you can do is try and get back there again and hopefully you know right the wrong and uh, that, that's what we did this year. And I'm just so proud of the guys for being as resilient as we were and really for four years battling to try and get back to that game the next time, the next time, hopefully we could have a little bit better result.
2: Yeah. Well, I want, I want to go through some things this week. You, you made, you and your teammates made a lot of incredible shots throughout the week. We don't have time to recap all of them. Maybe someday we will, but let's stick with Sunday the shot in the semifinal—you had to make it to to win, basically against Saskatchewan. You were you were coming in off the guard. Um, I, I thought it was an incredible shot. Tell me about the thought process and the execution there.
0: Yeah, definitely a, a really tough shot. You know, I think any anyone that gets to win the Briar has made their share of big shots that week um and we we ran into our week where it was our turn to make a few big ones uh, and, and we did come through when we needed them um that that shot was huge i mean it was really the only shot i had left and r- halfway through that end we we acknowledged that let's uh let's try and clean this up as good as we can and then maybe we'll be able to run that rock in for the win um and otherwise, you, you just got to throw it like every other shot. You got to try and hit the broom and throw the right weight and and hope it all pans out. Um, and I'm, yeah, proud of the guys. We we battled hard that game. It, it certainly wasn't our best game. We, we brought our best game in the final.
2: And, and you got into the final. And, you, you know, we have a saying when we talk about the Oilers games, Brandon, that sometimes it's a low-event game. I felt like the final was a low event game because several ends were blanked, though I know there had to be shots made to to get it to that. But tell me about being in a game where you're kind of aware it's probably going to be quite low scoring.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a different mind frame for sure. There's not a whole bunch of games we would play where uh, we're not scoring for two hours. It <laughs> means you're doing okay. Um, but like you said, there were some exceptionally good shots made. I mean, in the first end, we threw a center guard. Um, I made two runbacks. Uh, Kevin made an exceptional pick for the blank. In the second end, there were rocks in play. Kevin made a couple runbacks. Um, and both of those ends ended up being blanks. So you got to take it for what it's worth. I think in finals like that, everyone's playing a little bit tighter than usual because you really don't want to give it away. Um, but uh, it, a little bit different mindset. You definitely want to feel comfortable before you push too hard, um, and, and we were just fortunate enough that the patience paid off for us.
2: Brendan Botcher joining us tonight on Inside Sports, Alberta Skip of the Breyer Championship rink. Tell me about the 10th end and the this, this minute or seconds leading up to the Cooey rink saying... We're not going to throw. And then you're in the moment of triumph. <laughs> can, you, can you tell me about that? Those, that lead up and then that feeling of, oh, my God, we're the champions?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool feeling, to say the least. So that end actually wasn't setting up very good. I think for some of my guys, we realized uh, it's getting pretty real here. Um, you know, we make eight more good shots, we win the Briar. And we did not. <laughs> <laughs> we did not follow through on that, and make eight more good shots. Um, so that end was feeling a little bit scary for me as a skip. Uh, certainly on my first shot, we played a, a very touch precise shot uh, in the 10th end. And then once, once I was through my first shot, I knew the worst that could happen was we go to an extra end with the hammer and that calms you down a little bit. Cause you should win from that position. A big majority of the time. So, okay and then we did get half a miss out of kevin on his first and that really opened the door to you know if we can hit this rock out of the house i know kevin can come up with big shots better than anyone but i i don't see it so we kind of had a bit of a conference and talked about that and we, we all agreed and and when i made that shot um we looked at each other for a second like I, I hope that's good enough. Like, I think it's good. But uh, we've definitely been burnt by Kevin a few times, too. He can come up with uh, shots that are bigger and better than, <laughs> than just about anyone. So uh, interesting how it all shook out. Um, I, you can never really script how you're going to win a big game. But it was uh, certainly a really cool feeling, uh, happiness, relief when we finally pulled through and, and realized that, no, he didn't have a shot and uh and they they said the game was over
2: yeah all right i want to throw a couple other ones with you what is the story behind your very colorful and very noticeable socks
0: (laughs) so there's a very nice uh lady out in uh, bc that uh watched me curl and uh decided that uh, my ankles must be sore or uh, cold rather because i i'm always wearing these black ankle socks when i curl So she uh, found the address to the arena itself and mailed me a couple of pairs of socks, which was quite unique. I've never had anyone mail me something to the rink before. I was definitely pretty intrigued when I got the package and uh, opened it up, uh, saw what she had sent, and she also wrote just such a kind letter in there. Um, it was just too good of a story that came naturally. Uh, I, you have to play into that. And I think it was awesome. And I really wanted her to see me wear, wearing the socks out on the ice so that she knew that I got them and that, uh, that I was definitely thankful for her going out of her way to do that. And uh, it, it just snowballed a little bit. We got on a little bit of a wind streak. And, of course, then uh, superstition kicks in. you got to keep wearing the socks um we did manage to lose one game after i started uh which allowed me to wash the socks which was uh which was very much appreciated i think by everyone um and now uh and now they they came through for four big games at the end of the week so uh, i'm definitely very thankful to to barbara for sending me those um she definitely uh, meant only the best uh, for us and i think she's just so excited that we won
2: no, Is she a transplant at Alberton? So she, was she cheering for you, or she just just felt bad for your ankles?
0: <laughs> to be honest, I'm not sure. Um, I, I haven't spoken with her. I uh, she she clearly was thoughtful enough to to watch and see, and then put in all the effort to, to get them to me, which I thought was pretty special.
2: Uh, so, something kind of strange happened during the week, and I don't I don't want to bring this up to, to to crap on this individual curler, so I, I won't even bring up his name. But there was a curler who got a little upset and, and hit the ice and caused a bit of a delay. Has, has that ever happened before where you were in a match where ice was damaged that way and it was delayed? Because you had about a 45-minute delay, didn't you?
0: We did. And to be honest, uh, no. I Not only have I never played in a game that's had something like that happen, I can never think of a game. I've never watched a game on TV never heard of a game where where that's happened and like you said it it was unfortunate i mean everyone especially at the briar it means a lot and when it means a lot and uh, you miss or you feel that let down kind of feeling uh, lots of people release that um and unfortunately he just did that in a in a less than ideal way (laughs) in the middle of the sheet um and curling is is a very unique sport in that uh, there aren't really foul rules like there are in other sports. I mean, if you commit a foul in, or commit a penalty in another sport, there's a, there's a penalty for that. And, and there is really no uh, curling equivalency there. So uh, I believe the individual was fined uh, after the event was done. But... Um, Certainly that sign didn't help me on the, on the other side of that. And it was a little unfortunate because after the 45 minute delay, uh, we had to play a couple precise draw shots and he got to throw a couple of, uh, hard weight hit shots. So we were playing on ice that was a little slower than it was 45 minutes ago and trying to stop a draw in the perfect spot. And, and he didn't quite have that problem. Okay. But you know, that was a hard game, uh, grit wise to, to pull through and i'm just so proud of the guys that we were able to pull that one out
2: okay and you're still in the bubble uh let everybody know what's <laughs> what's next for brendan botcher and company before well, worlds uh, obviously before worlds that's what i'm talking about
0: yeah so i'm uh, i'm down here in the meantime for mixed doubles uh that starts uh the mixed doubles national championship starts on thursday and runs for a week and I'm playing with my fiancé down here, Bobby Sautter, uh, and we're both uh, over the moon. We're, we're thrilled to be doing this, uh, so excited to be doing it together. We, we really just enjoy the process, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to having a great week. You know, we've got a little bit of momentum. I think there's no reason why we, we can't do well here as well.
2: Well, we wish you all the best, and of course, uh, we'll be in touch as you get ready for Worlds as well. Loved watching you play. Loved watching you guys win. Well deserved. All the best in mixed and beyond,
0: Brandon. We'll keep in touch. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch here soon. Right on. Brandon Botcher, he finally did it. Three consecutive losses in the Briar
2: final. They won it on Sunday. I asked him about that shot in the semifinal to beat Saskatchewan. That is an epic. You're going to be seeing that on the best of Briar shots for years to come. And then they just confounded Cooey in that 10th end, running low on time and couldn't come up with a final shot. Really happy for uh, for those guys. Obviously, a lot of Edmonton connections there. Uh, You know, uh, Carrick Martin, obviously, is Kevin Martin's son. We had Kevin on the show during the Briar. And uh, good for Botcher. And, hey, you know, Cooley, obviously, an Alberta Rink, they're, they uh, I mean, they've already had a, a legendary career, and they're still going to be a contender for years to come. But I'm glad Botcher got it after coming up short and getting the silver three years in a row. It is 6.20. We'll give you the latest on the Oilers, and uh, we're also going to talk to Calvin McCartney.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com.
2: Recently retired from the double-E football team. All ahead on Inside Sports. return to the game in New Jersey. The Buffalo Sabres forward was hit in the face with a slap shot in the first period. He has been able to come back. That is now 2-2 Sabres and Devils with about eight minutes left in the second period. Toby Reader, remember him? Gets his fifth of the season for Buffalo. Uh, and you know, obviously the Taylor Hall story, yeah, I mean, it's always scary to see a player get hit with a puck, hit in the head. And you probably saw the, uh, the story earlier today that a 19-year-old Russian player Uh, passed away after being hit in the head by a puck during a game on uh, Friday. He was... uh uh, collapsed and treated on the ice and uh, taken to the hospital. And unfortunately, he, he passed away. So Taylor Hall able to come back to the game. So that that is good. That is good. And New Jersey, uh, sorry, Buffalo looks like they're playing a little better tonight. Again, in a 2-2 tie with the New Jersey Devils. We'll keep you updated on the scoreboard as we move along this evening. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You can get in touch on the CertainTeed hotline, 780-496-0063. CertainTeed professional-grade building materials pro all the way the Oilers skated in Calgary today getting ready for the game tomorrow now Connor McDavid didn't take part Tyson Berry and Jujar Kara not on the ice Dave Tippett says both of those two guys are day-to-day Zach Cassian continues to practice with the Oilers how close is he to playing? tip
1: he's uh he's been on the ice for a few days now and uh as soon as he gets clearance from the doctors he he's He looks good out there in practice, but he needs to get final clearance from the doctors before he can play. So we'll see where that goes today.
2: Similar answer to what Tippett gave a couple of days ago, that he's waiting for casting to get final clearance. So obviously we keep an eye on him. Kyle Turris, of course, was on the NHL's COVID protocol list remember last week he had a pretty good game against the ottawa senators and then the next day he uh he didn't practice and then he showed up on the COVID protocol list he is no longer on that list and he did skate today as tip gives you the details
1: i uh, know he's back he's back today he was on the ice today he was, uh he went through his seven days yesterday and then he uh came down from came down from edmonton and met us here so uh he was on the ice today now he hasn't been on the ice for seven days, so we got to get him up and going again.
2: All right. So let's try to get Turris back into game shape. Tippett also said today, Mike Smith, Mike Smith, back in goal tomorrow for the Oilers and the Flames. Eight o'clock faceoff from Calgary. Our coverage on Ched will start at six. Well, he was a very popular member of the Double E football team for thirteen seasons, both with his teammates and with this community. He is now retired. Calvin McCarty's up next on Inside Sports. Good to have you tuning in tonight. The New York Islanders have won nine in a row. Nine in a row. But that streak in jeopardy tonight. They trail the Washington Capitals 2-0 after two. Oshie with his seventh. Ovechkin with his 12th that came on the power play. So caps up 2-0 on the Islanders after two. Late in the second period, Sabres and Devils tied 2-2 may have heard me talking about it but if you missed it taylor hall was hit in the face with a slap shot left the game for a while but has been able to come back so that's good bruins and penguins one one in the second period early second period in detroit hurricanes and wings tied 2-2 nino niederreiter his 13th of the season for carolina about five minutes left in the first period in mini the wild up one nothing on arizona and coming up in a few minutes the lightning are out the stars and at seven o'clock the ducks play the avalanche oilers are back at it tomorrow six o'clock face-off show game at eight as they visit the calgary flames
0: harris is going to go under center takes
2: the ball turns he'll give it to calvin mccarty and mccarty's into the end zone first touchdown in three seasons for mccarty harris will turn he'll give it to calvin
1: mccarty should ring up his agent. I have three carries all season, but I got two touchdowns, baby. Last time in your career you had two touchdowns in a game, let alone a half. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, hey. I'm dusting off. Uh, it's been a minute. Maybe in 2010. I don't know. I'm just glad we got a lead. Guys came out to play, man. And Support is great. So I'm just, you know, excited to get out there and get in zone.
2: Kelvin McCarty. Had some great moments wearing green and gold, but a couple of days ago, he announced he is retiring from professional football, and I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports, Calvin McCarty. Calvin, how are you doing,
1: sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me.
2: Man, oh man, I can't believe I'm introducing you tonight as a former member of the Double E football team. And I know once you're a member of that organization, I know they'll have to change the slogan, I guess, a little bit, but once a blank, always a blank, however they decide to do it in the future. But um, to just tell me about the decision. Tell me about formally making that decision to to
1: transition to being yeah. a retired player. For sure. Hey, once an Edmontonian, always an Edmontonian. <laughs> Whichever way we go with it. Uh, man, it's, uh, you know, it's been quite a journey. Uh Part of the decision was, you know, it's it's been 13. I didn't think that, you know, the possibility of me coming back to playing here was going to happen. I really didn't want to go anywhere else. And, you know, taking a year off, man, getting to spend time with the family, being healthy, being able to run around with my kids. Go camping past summer. That was the first time I actually had a chance to do something in the summer since I was six years old, seven years old. You know, because it's always been either all-star baseball or football. And they kind of lead in and blend into each other. You know, so that break time has has been short for the last 30 years. So a lot of opportunity, man, for me to experience other things, but also, you know, get involved in the community in other ways. So um, take that into account, you know, over 200 games, had a great cup, man. And I know there's still, there's, uh, you know, still a chance we're going to have a season this year, but who knows how short or how long it's going to be. And I just think with all those questions, it was time for me to, you know, make that choice.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly I'm seeing and hearing a lot of things from your fans over the last few days about how beloved you were. So I'm sure you're hearing. Well, are are you hearing a lot of that? I mean, what's it like to have fans and former teammates and maybe even opponents reach out to you at a time like this?
1: Man, it's uh, it's uh, like I said earlier, we kind of we were chatting briefly, but, you know, it, it's overwhelming, you know, like the love is over, overwhelming a bit, but. You know, it, it's definitely appreciated. And, you know, the ups and downs, every time I read something, you know, it's kind of like a flashback to that emotion. You feel it. And uh, I think I had a, a tweet today about the, it was a hockey event we had in Devon, Alberta. In Devon. And uh with uh, Jay and, you know, so, Dan Dan. Yes. Um And just, you know, going through and reliving these memories, even from my teammates. You know, the opponents are, is it, a great, they're, that's a great, you know, when you receive compliments from your opponent, that's always great. Um, it's tough. Sometimes you read it, man, and you still have that fire burning. Uh, some coaches have reached out, you know, but a lot of them come from those players that you play with. And it's tough not to read there. You know, get a little choked up when you read it. But it's uh, it's, it's real life. And, man, uh, to be able to do it for that long and and coming into this game, you know, I know coming into it that, you know, it's, it's not a, a big career span. And, you know, like life itself is, is such a small, you know, it's uh, it can be over like that. But the thing with football is you know that it's going to be short. There's always that in the back of your mind. An injury could happen. This could happen. You might not make it. You might get cut. So enjoy it, you know, as much as you can. And and knowing that coming into it, I feel like that was that's what allowed me to do that, you know, and have a smile on my face and, and communicate and talk and enjoy the time I have with my teammates because I knew at the end of the day it could be gone. At any moment so I and to have that reception from the people now that I have I've had time to sit back and look at it It's uh that's why I mean it's overwhelming and, and I think everybody and I'm going to respond to 99.8 percent of all of them I'm gonna keep going so but uh I appreciate it and and man just the opportunity to be able to do it in this city too though is, is great so I'm grateful
2: well y- you mentioned how you went into it knowing it, it could be over at any moment and a lot of careers aren't very long but in football terms you played for a long time 13 years is pretty significant why do you think you lasted that long
1: man (laughs) a lot of great teammates you know a lot of great support around me people encouraging me and and uh things like that but you know a lot of times you know you feel like you get to a certain level and you might think you know it all and, and you don't listen but you know, I've always been able to take advice from coaches, you know, other teams, players sometimes. There'll be a veteran that'll give me some, you know, some advice along the way. And it's I think sometimes it's up to the player to whether or not you interpret that into your game or, or how you play. But part of that too is, you know, is it's just loving the game, man. Like I enjoy the meetings. I enjoy breaking down the opponent. I enjoy watching the film. I enjoy the process of what you do on game day. And a lot of that is is the the teammates and, and learning about the opponent and being able to do different things. And another part, you know what that is, is the Canadian role about being the backup running back. Tight end, uh, receiver for X or Y goes down, you got to maybe slot in there, special teams. Uh, being able to make yourself uh, more versatile and available for those opportunities. Uh, that's a big part is, is not being hurt, doing what you got to do to take care of your body but also understanding what the defense is trying to do to you. So, you know, you can prepare yourself. You're not running into a brick wall. You're not doing certain things. I had a conversation with a guy the other day talking about A.J. Gass. And uh, we were on a punt team together. So, I think it was a preseason game. Early in the early – my rookie year, though, and Gass is next to me. And punt happens, Do and this guy comes barreling down on me. And I just, boom, head up, boom. I got do a great job, hit him, run downfield. But uh, you get to the sideline, and guys are like, "Cowman, what are you doing, man? Like, that guy's like, it was a D tackle. I think he must have, somebody let him go. He's like, man, you cut those guys, bro. You're not headbutting those guys. Those guys get paid to do that. You're not paid to do that. You won't last long if you go in there, headbutton, D tackle. So, you know, you learn and you adjust your game, and you got to pick your battles and how you approach them. There's different ways. And, a lot of it is staying coachable and being ready, man, when that time comes. So, you know, coaches as well, the preparation. I've had some good coaches prepare me. I've had a lot of coaches over my career, too, though. But, you know, coaches come and go as players do, too. But you got to you gotta be able to remain coachable through it all, too.
2: Well said. Kelvin McCarty joining us tonight on Inside Sports. You mentioned baseball. And, uh, you know, you can read any biography about you and and find out that you were an exceptional baseball player when you were younger. Uh, Give us some context for how good you were and why ultimately football became the choice sport.
1: Man, I'm not going to call him out, but I'm going to call him out. (laughs) You remember Adam Lowen?
2: Yeah, Adam, Adam Lohan. Lohan,
1: he was like the number one, number two pick, I think, for the Blue Jays. Maybe top four. No, yeah, the Orioles. Yeah. He was drafted by the Orioles, top four or five. Him and Francis, there was another tall Canadian drafted by UBC back in 2003, I think. If you look at that draft, that top ten, top five, had two, you know, six, five, six, six uh, pitchers in it. I didn't play Francis because he was playing university ball. But Adam Lohan, I had a chance to play against him. men. Obviously, prior to this, I... Uh, you know, my mom was a softball player. So, living with my mom as a youngster, uh, I would travel to all these softball games with it. My mom was a heck of a player. She actually had a scholarship from university to play. But after that, she continued to play competitively. There'd be road trips. We'd be in the hotel swimming. But, you know, a lot of different stories, but just being around the game. I always had the football and the baseball back, though. But, uh, you know, swinging the bat, catching the ball, throwing it around. So, it was kind of baseball has always kind of been in my blood. And Obviously, I was a Bo Jackson fan, Deion Sanders. You know, Deion had his own shoes. So, Bo Jackson, you, you know the you know the poster, the Bo nose poster with the shoulder pads and the baseball bat. So, you know, baseball's always been in my blood, man. But I was a pretty good player. Uh, played a year in college. I ended up batting 370 in junior college in California. Uh, I had probably like two home runs. Then not a lot of home runs, but. Prior to that, my senior, my grade 11 year of baseball, this is 2002 or three, the year loan was getting drafted. So there's about 42 MLB scouts in the stands because you got the head scouts and then you got the regional scouts there too. So you see two Yankee scouts. It wouldn't be just one. All with their guns sitting behind the plate. And it's a week before the draft. So this is like the time where you know you're getting video on guys. And Lohan was a, a heck of a player, man. He was a good hockey player too but I know him am pre- previous to playing against him at this point. He's playing for Wally at this time. I was playing for white rock. And, uh, so we're playing. He has a no hitter going bottom of the six. We only play seven innings. It's one to zero. And, uh, it's kind of a cold muggy day, a uh, cold rainy day. And, uh, I think we're in parts of parts the tournament scouts everywhere, man. And I know Lohan from previous, you know, and he kind of struck me out the two times prior to this, So, you know, I'm going up thinking he's going to try and like dust me off first pitch. And sure enough, he throws like a nasty curveball, like starts outside here. I'm standing here, curveball here to, to just something like wicked. And I know him. So he's trying to get me off the plate and he's gonna try and like drill some heat. So I'm, I'm staying in <laughs> no matter what. Because <laughs> if it's not a curveball and it's inside, there's no time to get out the way. You're done. You know, you know what I mean? So he throws one. Uh, it was the heater man came right down the middle. Boom. smacked it. i jogging cold, man, but it ended up going up to right center off the top, like top of the fence, right gate. Uh, ended up getting a third slid it slid in the third. And, uh, he walks behind me on the way back and just, you know, a little friendly, you know, banter. Bleep, bleep. We bleep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then he had a pass ball. The next place so I ended up stealing home. Um, had a lot of like cards, a lot of scout cards, but it was known then uh, that I wanted to play football. The previous year, I won the provincial MVP uh, with Cornish on the team, by the way, you know, my buddy, but uh ended up winning that actually we won the championship the two previous years. And I was, you know, rated one of the top guys coming out. And to me, you know, I, football was just always, you couldn't emulate in anything else. And baseball had a lot of transferable skills for me. You know, ball tracking and not being scared. How to judge a ball, you know. If you're playing short third, a chopper, do I approach it, do I run in? Same thing when you're playing the game. You know, if you're sitting there waiting on it, like this guy's bearing on me, I might have to put a foot down and come back and get it so he can't hit me. Or, you know what I mean, if it's a man's zone, just being able to read different things. Because you got to watch pitchers, you got to watch tendencies. So that tendency side of it, the boring side of baseball that people say is so boring that I still find interesting is when I watch the games. You have to find those things and stay in the game. So it's easy to go left or go right. You know what I mean? Stand in the outfield. You might go to a baseball game and and get see three pitches and pop them up. Boom, boom, boom. Have no balls hit to you, and then go home. Come in early, two hours prior to the game. Get the field ready. Help break. Do what you gotta do. Warm up. Three pitches. No balls hit to you. You lose. You go home. Like that's like. What did I do, you know what I mean? I could have been doing homework. I could have done something productive. What a waste. At least football, you know, I had a chance on special teams. I played defense obviously back when I was a kid. If you're not getting the ball in offense or if you're frustrated in a game, you you know, you'll find other ways to get back. Baseball, you just play a bunch of games, so you got to wait to get back. All
2: right, yeah, that's awesome, Calvin. Thanks for explaining why you chose football over baseball. Calvin McCarty is on the line, recently retired after 13 years with the Edmonton football team. He's going to stick around, and I'm going to ask him about that championship season, 2015 Grey Cup, when we get back. Tonight on Inside Sports by recently retired the Calvin Man, McCarty, 13 years with the double E football team, and of course, Calvin, a 2015 Grey Cup champion. You played on other good teams here in Edmonton, but that was the only one that won the championship. What separated that 2015 team and allowed them to win it all? Man, just going through that fire,
1: you know? The previous two years where well, we were 4-14, four Seeing the change, having that, you know, we had to go to Calgary again that pre, that 2014, we ended up losing. And just that, you know, that you have to go through the fire. That varsity we faced in the beginning of the year, we ended up losing John White in training camp. And he was a heck of a back, man, for us, you know. And I was, you know, I wish I had a chance to, you know, to experience with him. Nothing against the backs that were there, but he was part of that, that rebuild, you know, of, of guys coming in that sacrificed for the team and put his body online. So when he got hurt in training camp, you know, and then we ended up losing Mike for, you know, a little bit. So going through that early grind after the grind of the previous season and just not wanting to be denied and knowing that you only have so many opportunities that it doesn't matter if Mike's hurt or if we're John, we're going to figure it out. We had a, you know, a great defense. But we also had like a nasty old line. We could run the ball. We could get physical with teams. If it came to the end of the game, end of the great cup, we ran the clock out. You are going to take a knee, that's kind of like, you know, rubbing it. You know, that's the way you want to go out on the game. So, uh, just the grit, man. We had a grit a, a, a team that we didn't do anything fancy. I've been on teams that had like a lot more, you know, offensive. But at the end of the day, we're physical. Uh, we're gonna play good defense, and we had a heck of a special teams unit uh, that held it all together. And the special teams is that mix of the O and D. Mixing together, you know, if you can jail on special teams, that means that You know what I mean? You're working together good as offense and defense. So it helps everything else go well and jail. And if you're not your special teams here and here and here I bet you there's some other interrelationships between offense and defense like You know, you might not have faith in them because such and such can't get the punt team, right? You know what I mean? So these things maybe but we were solid on all three fronts But team I know a lot of people say we're a defensive team, but we were definitely You know, if you look at the guys that we had on the offensive side of the ball, we had some real monsters. And and the guys we had up front, the the gritty. And when it came down to it, other teams knew it, that we're going to run the ball on you. It's not going to matter. So let's just get this game rolling. We're going to come back. We're going to win it. We went through this. We went through that. We're here. All the extra stuff we were in Winnipeg that week. I've been to a lot of cities, man, throughout the, the years. And I just felt like, You know, Winnipeg, they have great fans, but they're like, we're tired of seeing you guys win. We want to see somebody else win. My attitude is I never won. For me to walk through those hallways, man, I got to, you know, get one read. So, been to the alumni barbecues, been to all these things and and, and talk to the, the vets and just have a, you see the history when you walk in the locker room and to be there and to go for nine years without having one, you know, it felt obviously like an accumulation of the previous nine years and everybody that was there that, wasn't able to experience that Freddie stance, you know, my guy, man. And that was really another one. So, uh, man, it was awesome. And it was, uh, one of definitely one of my greatest football memories.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that Calvin. And again, congratulations on a great playing career and also being just an awesome member of the community. And, you know, so many people come from, other parts of uh, Canada and the United States and wind up calling Edmonton home. And you're, you're another one on that list. And we know that you do it very proudly. I look forward to uh, talking to you and, and watching what comes next for you. You're always welcome on inside sports. Thanks so much for coming on tonight,
1: man. Thank you guys for having me. And we'll definitely, we'll definitely catch up again soon.
2: Right on Calvin McCarty checking in. What a career he had lives in St. Albert. Now certainly has become an Edmontonian and I'm curious to see what is going to come next from him. It I wouldn't uh, wouldn't surprise me to see him helping the next generation of athletes and football players get involved and stay involved. Awesome. All right. Kelly Rudy's coming up. We'll also look at Alberta and COVID one year later. A Pandas hockey player who was at nationals when the tournament got shut down and a couple of season seat holders. How have they been doing, and how comfortable will they be going back into the stadiums? 630Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Chad.